Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Cinema's Soft Underbelly. I'm your host, Eugene Weaver, and if you're listening, then you know what this show is all about. It is all about the grindhouse, the gems in the rough, little seen movies, movies that should be seen. Uh, And today I'm going to cover a couple more recently watched movies that span uh, centuries, actually. Uh, I've got one from the late... uh, Actually, uh, let me just look on the back of the Blu-ray here. I've got one from the late 60s, uh, right around 1970, and then one from... uh, the very, very early 70s, and then a newer release. And then uh, if I have any more time, I might fill it in with uh, a couple other recently watched movies. You're going to have to bear with me here. I've been yet again sick, so my voice sounds like crap. Uh, It's been quite the month, but you know what? I'm still chugging along, and I'm still watching movies, and I'm still going to report on those movies for you, the... uh, the faithful listener. So the first movie I'm going to talk about is from 1969, uh, and this is my second viewing of this movie, first time on Blu-ray, and uh, and what a change in uh, in my thoughts on the movie from the first time I watched it, and that is 1969's Mark of the Devil. And if any, if ever any movie fits into what my show is all about, it is. A movie like this. Um, I'm just popping on IMDb here, just so that I have some information. So 1969, 1970, kind of when this thing was uh, was made. Uh, Michael Armstrong is the director, and it stars the great Udo Kier, and uh, a couple other people that, uh, honestly, that I recognize from other movies, but uh, it's not like, oh, that person, but I'm like, I, I, you can tell that they're They've been in some other some other stuff. Um, so uh, anyway, the movie itself. This is one of the original. Uh, how do I say it? This is one of the original gore movies that got butchered by the censors and banned and all that stuff. And got uh, they gave their own rating for this movie V for violence, I think, uh, which is kind of funny. And they this is uh, this is the one that actually handed out barf bags for audiences going into the theater, and which I think is hysterical, especially watching it now, because watching it now, all these years later, uh, it still does honestly pack a punch, but it's, uh, it's nowhere near what, uh, what is, what's been coming out ever since then, honestly. This was kind of one of those benchmark movies to where things changed because of movies like this. Um, and this is right over the time where... Hammer was, uh, Hammer was, uh, I, I hate to say they were starting to take a, a, a dip in quality because I like a lot of their, uh, late sixties, early seventies stuff, but really Hammer was, Hammer really shined in the early to mid sixties, even later sixties. And then in the seventies, they started to lose relevance, especially when, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and The Exorcist came out. That's when things really, they just couldn't keep up anymore, which is unfortunate. Uh, and and Hammer, they still tried. In fact, they got really they got a lot more aggressive with their with nudity and violence in their movies. Whereas the older stuff, 
the earlier Draculas and Frankensteins didn't have near as much of that as some of their later stuff, like Twins of Evil and uh, Vampire Circus. And even uh, Vampire uh, and uh, Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell had a lot more gruesome violence in it. Uh, and they were just trying to keep up with the times. And one of the keeping up with the times was this movie, Mark of the Devil. And I've got the fantastic, fantastic Arrow release in front of me here. And this is, yet again, another reason why certain movies that I didn't care for as much on first viewing, I have rediscovered and can appreciate a lot more uh, on a second, third, fourth viewing. And that is because of the restoration that goes into some of these old movies. And this is a prime example because I've touted Arrow before in the past, and I'm going to keep on doing it, especially now that they're releasing Blu-rays here in the United States as well as over in the UK. So now there is, it's not going to be quite as difficult to import because a lot of these movies are going to be coming out here in the States as well. Mark of the Devil is one of the first ones that they've released, and it is packed to the gills with great special features about the history of this movie. They do a great segment on locations then and now. Uh, interviews with the remaining cast that's still alive. Um, there's a fantastic 46-minute documentary on the disc uh, that deals with um, deals with this type of movie back in the day. And they really talk a lot about... Uh, they, they do talk about uh, Hammer, but they also talk about a lot of one-off directors that, that made one movie and then they kind of fell off the radar, um, which is kind of, it seems like, is kind of what happened with Mark of the Devil too. Uh, so it was, it's really interesting, almost worth the price of the Blu-ray itself because I love that type of history on movies and how things were made back then and, and why and how movies were retitled and redistributed here in the States. And it's just, it's, to me, it's very, very interesting. And so I really, I really like that. But I'm going to read the back of the Blu-ray here just so you know what type of movie this is. And with Mark of the Devil, uh, obviously it's going to have something to do with the devil and it does to a certain extent. Um, once proclaimed as positively the most horrifying film ever made, Mark of the Devil is a bloody and brutal critique on religious corruption. Horror icon Udo Kier plays a witchfinder's apprentice whose faith in his master becomes severely tested when they settle in an Austrian village. Presided over by the sadistic uh, albino, I guess that's his name, a memorably nasty turn from Reggie Nalder, the film presents its morality not so much in shades of gray as shades of black. Um, oh, okay, okay, so written and directed by Michael uh, Michael Armstrong, he actually wrote Eskimo Nell, Black Panther, and House of the Long Shadows, and Eskimo Nell is one of those softcore sexy comedies, I guess. I haven't seen it. Uh, it was released on Blu-ray as well from I think Scorpion released it, um, but I, I'm not 100% sure. Um, regardless, it's sold out already, so there you go. Um, so, uh, this movie has uh, been uh, been banned, it's been edited severely, and this Blu-ray here is the most complete version. The version that I watched previously, I believe it was pretty much uncut, uh, but it was dvd and uh, even DVD, man, the quality, it just, I don't know why, it just, I did, didn't, the movie itself just, eh, okay, it's, it, it's something. Uh, but this time, I liked it a lot more, and honestly, I think personally for myself, 
the older I get, the more I am appreciating older movies, and and uh, because I have a I have a hard time getting into the newer movies, which is sad because it makes me feel so old. But uh, f- newer movies, newer release movies, they got to be really good at this point for me to be like, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, I just watched Exodus, Ridley Scott's Exodus. It was okay. Um, it, something about um, these older movies that, and I know I'm, I'm Exodus and Mark of the Devil in the same sentence. There you go. Uh, but something about these older movies, just um, something about them. I just I like older movies a lot more, and I'm liking them more and more the older I get. So, uh, so that's the storyline, and it's pretty much it is what it is. It's basically what you would expect from a movie made that long ago set in a little town where there's the uh, Inquisitors and there's the torture racks and there's all that stuff. And uh, what what is surprising to me, and it's it's kind of dated, obviously, and this, the effects are kind of dated, but the completely positively mean-spiritedness of this movie, um, even though a lot of the torture-type stuff that you see on here, and I think that this predates, well, obviously it predates uh, the the uh, hostile movies and all of that type of movie. This is kind of the original one of that. And I'm not even going to use the the term torture porn because I hate that term. Um, But that type of, you know, torture type subject matter, uh, this movie hit on way before any of these other ones did. And uh, there's a couple of scenes in this movie where I'm like, oh, this is, this is harsh, harsh stuff for 1970 and even though the effect you know you can tell a woman is burned at the stake and you can tell it's totally fake and you can tell how they're doing it but the way it's done is still very effective and um and it the acting for the most part i think is very good too especially udo kier he's very good in it um and they'll shooting on location in this little austrian village which they really did it's just really cool and uh i i was totally on board especially for the nihilistic downbeat very very downbeat ending uh this this here while i would never say this is near as good as uh one of the greatest classic movies of all time the wicker man it still is kind of in that genre of it's got the whole religion aspect people doing crazy things in the name of a god uh, which is still going on to this day uh, in real life uh Everything that's wrong with religion. There you go. Uh, it can be found in movies like Mark of the Devil. So anyway, uh, it is a big thumbs up for me. Keep your expectations in check, obviously. I mean, if you're listening to this show and you're a fan of of this show and these movies, you're probably going to like Mark of the Devil. I can't imagine that you wouldn't because this is kind of one of those where it's almost <clears throat> excuse me, a rite of passage like uh, Cannibal Holocaust is and some of those other older movies that uh, have gained uh, cult classic status. Mark of the Devil is definitely one of them. I would even say that this is better than uh, Vincent Price's Witchfinder General. And Witchfinder General, I thought, was uh, was also good, but uh, not this good. Uh, something about Vincent Price, I really, really like him uh, as an actor, but something about Vincent Price, I started to feel like, uh, especially watching those, those older Corman 60s uh, Edgar Allan Poe uh, adaptations with Vincent Price is that he's such a th- he feels like such a theater actor um, that it sometimes takes me out of the storyline. Not the fact that I don't like his acting; I really like Vincent Price's acting. But watching him, it, it makes me feel a little bit more like I'm watching a movie, 
with Vincent Price. Oh, cool Vincent Price. And and it feels like a stage play on film. And that's what a lot of those older Corman movies were. Uh, and, and, and I haven't watched Witchfinder General in a long time, but I recall thinking it was good, but eh, this one here doesn't have that feeling. This one here truly feels like uh, cameras were set up back in those days and this really happened. And so uh, it's quite effective. And I give it a thumbs up, big thumbs up, especially for you uh, grindhouse horror fans. You should check this one out. So now I'm going to jump all the way to a brand new movie that just came out. uh, Totally, totally opposite of what I just talked about. Uh, Just because I just watched it and I want to hit on it on my show. I'm not sure if we're going to have enough time to hit on it on, uh, the other show that I'm on, Movie Freaks, uh, and that is Adam Green's recently released Digging Up the Morrow. And um, I just watched this movie last night, and I uh, wanted to hit on this because I always like to give props to um, to these directors, especially making good low budget horror movies that are coming out now because it seems to me like it's they're few and far few and far between at this point anymore. Uh for every uh for every taking of Deborah Logan there is a slew of Netflix garbage that you have to sift through to find something half decent. Uh and that just again that might just be me. It might just be because I'm getting older, but I'm a lot more hard on newer release horror movies than I am the older stuff. Um, and I was, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be fairly hard on digging up tomorrow, even though I did like it. I give this movie a thumbs up. Uh, in fact, I have yet to watch one Adam green movie that I did not like to a certain extent. Uh, hatchet of course was fantastic. Uh, his best movie, in my opinion, this is a worthy addition. Uh, but I do find some flaws in this movie and I'm going to hit on those just briefly. So I'm going to read the back of the Blu-ray here. Uh, when, uh, what if the ghastly images, and abominations haunting our collective nightmares actually exist. Writer-director Adam Green seeks out to make a documentary exploring the tantalizing premise after being contacted by a mysterious man named William Decker, played by Ray Weiss from Twin Peaks. Decker claims he can prove that monsters are real and insists these grotesque creatures are forgotten uh, hideously deformed humanoids inhabiting a vast underground metropolis. Determined to expose the truth, Green embarks on a bone-chilling odyssey and gets more than he bargains for when he dares to go digging up the morrow. So, <clears throat> this is, okay, first and foremost, this is a documentary, a mock documentary, whatever, uh, kind of, sort of, found footage type of thing. And at this point, it has to be, a plus knocking it out of the bar out of the park for a found footage movie to be enticing to me anymore. Um, taking of Deborah Logan is a total gem in the rough, and uh, uh, honestly, since then, not much else. Uh, it's just simply played itself out to death, and I was kind of surprised that Adam Green went that route. Having said that, this is still a good movie, and if this movie would have come out maybe three years ago. Um, I think this would have been a complete home run, but it's kind of a been there, done that type of thing, even though it's more documentary than actual found footage. Uh, Adam Green in front of the camera, because he is the he's the star of the movie. Uh, he's the interviewer, and he is really funny and approachable and, and fun to watch on camera, uh, which I think is great. I think it's so awesome that a director can also 
do a good job at acting too, and he does. He's really good at it. Um, this is totally different than Hatchet. And here's another thing that I am going to give this movie props to is that um, Adam Green does not make the same movie over and over and over again. So he makes Hatchet, and then he makes uh, the movie Frozen. Not the Disney movie Frozen, obviously, but uh, another movie called Frozen. And then he does a segment for the excellent anthology movie Chellorama. And then this and that and the other thing. He's got a, I guess he got a TV show, TV show called. Uh, I'm I'm gonna butcher it, so I'm not gonna say the name. But he's got a TV show that he's making as well. And then he does this, and this is nothing like nothing at all like Hatchet. Although I will say this, um, that there are some fantastic cameos in this movie, and you'll know a lot of them if you watch it. And you're a horror fan, you'll be like, oh, that's cool. That's. Uh, Kane Hodder's, there's Kane Hodder, and there's this person and this person, and it's really cool. And of course, of course, uh, Lloyd Kaufman has to make an appearance, of course. Uh, so up to the midway point, I was totally on board for this movie. And this is a very, very slow burn type of movie. Um, not much happens. There's a lot of setup. I like that. I'm cool with that, especially if it's done well. And this is done well. This is set up extremely well. Um then there's a big scare, and I'm like, oh, now now it's awesome. And uh, then it dies down a little bit, and there's a couple more scares. Um, and then, to me, it just kind of fizzled out a little bit, um, especially with the huge premise that they are painting in the first half with this whole underground uh, metropolis of creatures, potentially creatures. And, and if you're like me and you're a big horror fan, then you'll immediately think of... Clive Barker's Nightbreed because the whole way through I'm like this seems almost like a documentary about you know like like another version of kind of like the Nightbreed story going on here Uh, because that's kind of what it is sort of Um, unfortunately with how ambitious Nightbreed was this is not Um, all it would have taken me personally and this might be treading a little bit into spoiler territory just a little bit um but it it seemed like they should have done more with the ending personally uh there was a lot of build-up a lot of good build-up uh slow paced every now and then something cool would happen you'd be still on board and then the last 10 minutes or so i'm like uh, okay um especially the very very end it just seemed like i didn't want to say they ran out of money but it just seemed like it should have been a lot more than what it was it doesn't make it a bad movie by by any stretch of the imagination. That's it doesn't make it a bad movie. It's still a very good movie. It's well acted. It's well made. Uh, it's got some genuinely funny parts in it. Some genuinely scary parts in it. But you're gonna have to set your expectations a bit lower because uh, whenever I hear Adam Green making a movie, I immediately immediately think of Hatchet and even to a lesser extent his segment on Chillerama, which I thought was fantastic. It was hysterical. Um, so. I hold him in a pretty high regard. So, being he's already there, he needs to deliver the goods. And here, he partially delivers the goods. This is one where uh, I, I'm a horror collector, so I got to get it on Blu-ray. But this is one that will probably uh, make its way on to Netflix. And I would say wait for a Netflix viewing to see is it worth is it worth the money to uh, to buy it on Blu-ray. Uh, some sometimes that's a good testing ground for me. I just I went in all in on this one when I saw it at Best Buy I'm like I gotta check this one out so 
Anyway, it is still a good movie. I, I urge you to check it out. Uh, but it's it, it could have been a bit better, personally. Okay, now, the last one that I want to hit on. Um, wow, what a letdown this was. Um, you have to have one complete turd in the in the mix here. And this is this is the turd in the mix. And that is 1970s I Drink Your Blood. Yay, here we go. Um, <clears throat> and again, I apologize for my voice. I sound like a 75-year-old uh, chain-smoking waitress at a diner. So that's that's me right now. Uh, I Drink Your Blood from 1970. Grindhouse releasing, put this movie out on DVD and I'm sure soon to be um, Blu-ray because Grindhouse is releasing all of their older DVDs onto Blu-ray now. Um and I'm just going to tell you right now, I, unless you're a huge fan of this type of thing, I don't waste your money. Um, the best thing that can be said about this movie, for me personally, is that uh, Rob Zombie slash White Zombie got uh, numerous audio clips from this movie. That's kind of cool. And that's where it ends. Uh, for me, I can see where this movie has a cult following and it does have a cult following. Just I'm I'm it's not me. I can't I I couldn't get into it. It was it was a complete and utter chore to get through 80 minutes of this. Uh, a band of Satanist hippies roll into a town and begin terrorizing the local folk. They rape a local girl and her grandpa goes after them. He fails and is given LSD. This bothers his grandson and the grandson gets back at the hippies by feeding them meat pies infected with blood from a rabid dog. They turn into crazed lunatics and begin killing and or infecting everyone in their path. So, does that sound awesome? Yes, it does, actually. For a show like this, yes, that's grindhouse goodness there, to me, personally. But is it good? No, it's not even remotely good. Uh, I was sort of kind of on board with the beginning, because I'm like, oh, this is... This is uh, this is crazy and insane. And then very fast, I'm like, okay, the acting is so bad that this is like Ed Wood, Ed Wood type acting and filmmaking on display here. Like this is, obviously this would never be shown on Mystery Science Theater, but this is complete Mystery Science Theater 3000 material here. The effects are terrible. And it is, I guess, kind of gory. Uh, it, it's in bad taste, I guess. But it's so bad. Oh, it's so bad. The acting is terrible. Um, basically, I take the movie Don't Go in the Woods, which I thought was just beyond awful. But I enjoyed that one to a certain extent because it was it was fun in, in a so bad it's, it's good sort of way. This is so bad, it's just bad uh, to me. The initial setup I was I was okay with. Uh, the Satan-worshipping hippies are hilarious and the farthest thing from scary. Uh, just some big roided-up dude with long hair and some Chinese girl and a really gross-looking pregnant lady. And it, everybody was gross in this movie. Um, I guess I can see why Rob Zombie would have got a kick out of it. And again, it has a cult following. But uh, for as much as I like this type of trash this one here i did not like at all so for the 0 0.005 of you out there that uh, might be interested in this that's my take on it i didn't like it uh but if you're into very very bad acting 
even worse filmmaking and gore that's so cheap that we're talking like plastic limbs covered in ketchup. That's kind of the extent of what you're getting here. Uh, I, I guess the best thing that can be said about the movie is the pregnant lady stabs herself in the stomach with a big spike because she's rabid and she's pregnant, I guess, and it's supposed to be horrific, but instead you're like good riddance to everything involved. Uh, but yeah, it was bad. So anyway, but I wanted to at least hit on that because I didn't want to waste time on Movie Freaks talking about that utter garbage. So anyway, so to recap, Digging Up Tomorrow is a thumbs up. Marginal thumbs up should have been, um, should have and could have been fantastic. Instead, it's merely a, it's a good movie, and I recommend it. Uh, Mark of the Devil is the gem in the rough here, especially after the first time I watched it, thinking, eh, that was okay. Uh, upon rewatching, thinking, oh wow, I, it's almost like I saw that movie for the first time, which is which is I know it's odd, but sometimes it's just certain movies strike you a different way. Uh, on a different day or, you know, a different time that you're watching it on a different format. Uh, so, you know, I watched this on a big screen, remastered, sounds incredible. And then right after the movie, you watch all the special features and you see what went into the making of it and the history of the movie. And you have a different appreciation for that movie. Uh, on a very, very near future episode of this show, I want to talk a little bit more about my Blu-ray experience watching George Romero's Night of the Living Dead as well. I'm uh, There's a special feature on the Blu-ray that I have. It's an hour and a half long uh, making of called Another One for the Fire, and I would like to watch that one as well and chime in a little bit on my thoughts on that movie. And I know that everybody knows about Night of the Living Dead, but I want to hit on that a little bit as far as the transfer and the special features and all that good stuff and the history of that movie with the whole copyright stuff and the bazillion different releases that that movie has seen through the years. So anyway, um, uh, I've watched a ton of movies since the last uh, uh, Underbelly, but my voice sucks, and so I can't keep talking. So we're just going to keep it at, at those three right now, and the next episode, hopefully my voice will be tolerable, at least for you people listening out there, and you don't have to cringe. So uh you can get a hold of me at eugene-weaver at hotmail.com for any questions or comments or anything that you would like to add. Uh, if there's something that you think I should watch, I'd love to hear about it. If there's movies that I should avoid, please let me know so that I don't have to waste my time on more crap like I Drink Your Blood. Uh, also, make sure to listen to Movie Freaks, the other show that I'm on. We're on iTunes and our friends over at Cinema Sidekicks, which they hit on a lot more of the new release stuff that I myself do not talk about as much, uh, as well as uh, my co-host Eric Marner on Movie Freak. So be sure to check them out as well. So stay tuned for another episode of Cinema Soft Underbelly heading your way in probably a week or so with the new and improved Eugene voice. And until next time, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.